And we're looking forward to our message tonight from Pastor Hal. It's great to have him and his wife Pam with us. So let's give them a CCC welcome tonight. Thank you. I asked my wife, I said, do you think I could move this down here? She said, I don't know, it's pretty heavy. I said, well, would you get it for me then? It's a little tougher when you get to be my age. I'm 67 now, and uh, it's uh, wonderful. Glad to be alive. Anybody here 70 or over? Man, you look great. You look great. When's your birthday? Oh, that's our wedding anniversary. We were almost old enough to be your parents. We'll be married 44 years. September 1. Oh, yeah, he's going to be 70. I was talking to your wife. <laughs> That would be a miracle. Yeah. I hear you. Well, it's good to be a part. I said that Pam would help me teach, and she be- she begged out. So I said, okay, it'll work with uh, me. We'll have to have her do it, do it sometime. I'm trying to get her in speaking shape because you don't know in the next uh, op- this opportunity we have now that we're going to, we might be speaking to two different churches at the same time. And they'll expect me to sing, and they'll expect her to preach. She'll probably win out and be the ability to do both. Well, it's good to have you. you want to pass out the uh, handouts? I do have a handout for tonight. We want to share. This is a series of eight that I've done at our church there at Grace Church in Fairview Heights. It's about knowing God. Tonight is about getting to know him. And God knows us, how well God knows us. And it is about knowing God. So you're going to be passing those out. If somebody wants to help any of those guys, you can. Amen. They're coming. It is, uh, we, we, uh, I asked, I said, how long do you usually go? 7.30 or whatever. And somebody said 7.30, somebody said 20 after 7. I said, okay, then we give some time for, for uh, opportunity for fellowship. You know, when you've been, a, how many of y'all remember when your kids played sports and you would go? And if they played softball, volleyball, any of those kind of sports, the, when, you, when you're winning, you just sit in that lawn chair, and it can be as hot as the hot can be, but they're winning, you just want to hang out so you can brag a little bit afterwards. When they're losing come the fifth inning, you got everything in the car, you got the air conditioner going, you're saying to them, get it over with, up, oh, just call the game, let's get out of here, because there's nothing to brag about when you're losing. But it is good whenever we're going to have some time. I said that to say we're going to have some time to fellowship because I want to feel like it really was a win here with you with the opportunity to share with friends and be a part. Pastor Jason, as you know, is at uh, youth camp this week. It seemed like because I saw a little post as Faith did on the uh, on Facebook. And so uh, I just uh, was really blessed because youth camps are one of the best things in the world to do and the best place to meet God and be a change. So you'll be looking to hear some great stories about kids being changed. Do I need one? Yes, so I can keep up where I'm at. (laughs) And so uh, he's having a great time. I understand he'll be back the 2nd of July. I'll still be speaking, but he's going to be in service. Let me let me tell you a little something. Pastor in the same church for 38 years. It was always good when people in the church said, and those in leadership, thank you for being, I'm glad you had a great time. We want you to get rest. We want you to get along with your wife and kids. We want you to do all those things. And some of our guys would say, you know, in my job, all I got was two weeks vacation. And... Uh, some of the other guys would say, well, you didn't really need that much, but our pastor <laughs> needs, needs this vacation this time away. 
So thank you for looking out after him. If you want pastor to stay here, if you want a pastor to stay a long time at whatever church, it really is giving a break, taking the time off, and getting a chance to share. That's why it's a super honor to be able to share with you all, because I know that the level and the purpose of our church here and how much you guys love Christ and how much you want to follow him. I appreciate the worship tonight and Faith. Didn't Faith do a good job? Boy, she can do a lot of different things. I tell you, let's give her a hand. Uh, and the gal that was leading worship, fantastic. Where'd she go? Right there. What's your name? What is it? Lupita. Lupita? What nationality is that? No. <laughs> What'd she say? Oh, okay. My dad was Puerto Rican. Uh-huh. I can't speak Spanish, though, so I'm the best I do is Taco Bell, but the because uh, <laughs> I love eating there. <clears throat> but thank you, really, very nice. <clears throat> Appreciate all the folks that work behind the scenes that nobody sees as a pastor to a congregation. All the people that show up and they see a piece of paper sitting on the ground, they pick it up and throw it away. Or they see a chair that needs to be adjusted somewhere and they take care of it. They pass out programs or pass out these study guides. And you do they're just dependable to be there and be a part. So what you do doesn't go unnoticed from the Lord. Those who work with children's ministry, children's ministry is tough. I don't know how you do, how you do it, but children's ministry is really tough. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of pay and attention. Youth ministry uh, intensifies that even more. It takes more pay and attention to where they are and what they're doing. And so for a church to survive in the world we live in, let me just get some sideline before I get into knowing God. Getting to know God is this. In the day and age we live in, passing the church where I was at my age, after being there, Pam and I, 38 years, is that it came down to three generations down from our age. And some of that generation is not born yet. We're just starting to get into the Z generation, and then they're starting to have children, the Z generation. Why they give them the generational names, I don't know, but I just throw that out there for you to identify what I'm talking about. When I first came at 28, I was working towards one or two generations above me, and I was begging God to give one generation under Pam and I. That would be the teenagers and everything. This church is in such a good place. I'm not just saying this, but such a good place is that the age tone of your church isn't, uh, and I, say, I can say this at 67, isn't old. It really, I don't see myself as an old man. Why is that? Because I don't want to be grouchy. Grouchy makes you old. Grouchy makes you old. No matter how old or young you are. If you take great pride in being grouchy. Okay, we're going to talk about knowing God. <laughs> Hebrews chapter. Man, I've been waiting. I, Pam and I went there. 75% of the church was old enough to be our parent, grandparent, our great-grandparent. The lady who played the piano was 96. It was impressive for a 90-something-year-old lady to get up there and play the piano and play. She was fantastic attitude. She was never grouchy. She just would get up and play and be happy and be glad to be a part. Be glad. At 96, you're glad to still be around and be coherent. I mean, really. And uh, so it was really a blessing. But when I went to that church, you could tell the old people. <laughs> Hebrews, and I've been waiting all my life to be able to share those. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Please keep in mind that when we talk about knowing God, keep in mind He knows you. 
There's nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do or say or be a part of that he does not see. He sees it. I had some great Italian food before church, so I got a lot of energy to go to about 8.30. (laughs) Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him whom we must give an account. When he uses this, the Greek writer, the original writers start to say nothing in creation is hidden from him. And it it is laid bare and open before him. The Holy Spirit is the x-ray machine of God. He sees us. He knows our trouble. We're put, how many of y'all have ever taken an MRI? I think that's the one where you go in the tube. Anybody ever take? I take those. I, I'm claustrophobic. I got a little bit intense. I had to take one of those. It was really rough because I, I barely fit in the thing at that point anyway. And it was just really rough because it sees, it checks everything about you. Then the doctor comes out and gives you this assessment of what's going on in your life and what's going on in your body. The Holy Spirit woos us, talks to us, whispers to us, don't do that. And the more we get to know him, the more he opens up that he whispers to us. God really wants us to, to live on this whisper. There's a thing that I do that I learned from uh, about an old guy years and years ago. He, I learned this. It was, it's this. It's called the silent sound. I heard about how you just go and you just sit. Usually it's outside. Some of you have an outside, a backyard where you can go sit in a chair. It's your favorite chair. Or you could sit here sometime. And it's a silent sound. And you take a note. You leave your phone, your watch, and you take your Bible, and you just get real quiet. First of all, you write down the clutter. All the things you got to do. Do this, get that done, do whatever. I recommend this to you. And then you get into the silent sound. When you start to listen to the whisper of God, where you start to get to know him, when you start to read Isaiah, when you start to read like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, he knows all of creation. He sees us just exactly where it's called the um, omniscience of God. He's omnipresent, or he knows everything, rather. Psalm 147, verse 5 says, he understands, his understanding has no limits. When you start to listen to the silent sound, when you're sitting all alone, and you start to write down the clutter, then you lean into what God is saying. Why does he want you to lean into? So we'll listen. It's interesting to watch while the crowds are yelling at a softball game, baseball game, football game, any kind of game, pickleball, while the crowd is yelling. How people lean in so they can hear what the other person's saying. Because they don't want to yell loud enough that everybody hears what they're saying. God is teaching us here in this whole omnipresent that he's there. Omniscience. That he's there. That he hears everything. That God literally knows everything. Keep in mind, I believe it's there in your notes. God knows everything. Write this down. And he's not shocked by what you're going through. There's nothing we can do that God is not surprised by he knows us so let's look at here's the first one the scope of god's knowledge god knows all himself job great story to read job chapter 11 verse 7 through 9 the nav says can you fathom the mysteries of god can you probe the limits of the almighty question 
They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Their, their measure is longer than the earth, and they are wider than the sea. Keep in mind, this is something to write down. Just write, write this down. God misses nothing. Here's the first place. God, let's see, see. God knows all himself is the first one. For it says Proverbs. And then it should be to blank the scope of God's knowledge. And then the, the God knows all himself. The next one is that God knows all creation. Is that not kind of? No, it's not. God knows all creation. He knows it all. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Remember, he misses nothing. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Here's the point he says. Yet one, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. He knows nothing surprises him he misses nothing hello here's the next one see god knows all happenings god i can't believe this happened don't be alarmed keep in mind paul writes to the church the hebrew in hebrews 4 13 nothing all creation is hidden from his sight god knows all happenings he knows our past Acts 15, 18, that have been known throughout all the ages. He knows our past. You say, well, man, uh, people find out about my past. There's somebody, whether they're in this room or not, or somebody that knows you that knows your past. The beauty of it is God does not remind us of our past. He says, you've been forgiven. I've heard some great stories tonight over a dinner table. You've been forgiven. When we feel and we sense we know we've been forgiven, it changes our past. He does not hold it against us. He says it's forgiven as the east is from the west, so he does forgives us of our sin. The next one is the present Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God, did you see what happened? He sees the present hour. You don't have to have a video camera. He sees it. But everywhere we go now, there's video cameras. There's cameras on chests. There's cameras that people have on their head. I have a friend that he, his, uh, he hit a deer and his insurance company would not pay for his car to get fixed. And so what he did since he traveled through the country is he put a, one of those little cameras on his dashboard. And a deer came out and he hit it and he took it to Well, they had to pay because they were caught. God misses nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why is that? Because nothing takes him by surprise. Here's the future. Thank God for the future. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things. Those of long ago. I am God. There is none other. I am God. And there is none like me. I make known the end of the, uh, from the beginning and the ancient times. What is still to come? I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. He does not ask our permission. 
He says, I'm God. And there's none like me. Here's the second one. Oh, we're almost at 720. Look at that. i got 20 minutes. Hang on. Pam's going to have to remind me if I miss any of these. What God knows about me. This is uh, Psalm uh, 139. Great scripture for you to read over and over again. Let me give you a little bit of it. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O God, you know it all together. He knows. Did you hear what you said to that person? It really wasn't that bad. How many of y'all would love to take something back you've said in the last 24 hours? God knows. You have hedged me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and it it is high. I cannot attain it. He goes on to say in verse, uh, verse 9, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost pass, uttermost pass of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, uh, even the night shall be the light before me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness is in the light, and the both are alike in you. He goes on and on. He knows us. When we see this whole challenge that he gives us on the second one here is that God knows all about me. He knows about me. Let me give you the next blanks. God knows all my faults. How many of y'all have faults? Say they do. And failures. And he still loves me. He still loves me. How many of y'all ever messed up? And he still loves you. He still loves you. You mess up in relationship. You mess up relationship with God, with friends. He still loves you. He still works it out. Though everybody else walks away from us, he never does. And Psalm 69.5 says, My sins, O God, are not hidden from you. You know how foolish I've been. How many of you all have ever stole something? Back when I was a kid, they didn't have cameras everywhere. Proverbs Proverbs 5.21 says, A man's ways are full of in full view of God, and he examines the path. When I was a kid, there was from Dawning uh, Elementary School, was the elementary school I went to, there was a, a Dawning Drug right across the street. We would go across in a crosswalk, we'd go into that store, and uh, they would have, I was raised by a single mom, she worked two full-time jobs, I was about 11 years old, I was in the fifth grade, I was the biggest kid in the class, and most of my life I've been the biggest kid in the class. And uh, it's an exciting thing, you know, to be able to do that. And so I was... uh, in the girl, in the store, there I was a nice kid. I did, tried to. I, I'm a rule follower by nature, but there's some rules. You know, you, you break every once in a while. You don't mean to. It just kind of overwhelms you. And I remember I was there, and there was a new came out of uh, M&M peanuts where they melt in your melt in your mouth, not in your hand. Remember that? And so I found it, put it in my pocket, and I went up to pay for something. And uh, the guy behind the drugstore guy behind the counter said to me, "Are you going to pay for what's in your pocket?" What? 
You know, when you throw up your hands and say, what? You're guilty. And so I said, what are you talking about? He said, son, let me show you something. What's your first name? Hal. And he writes on Hal. And he shows me over there. They used to have, they didn't have cameras. They didn't have all that stuff. They had these big mirrors that were shaped like this, like a big dish. And he said, I want you to come over here and stand. He said, stand right here. And he put me right in front of the M&M's. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's dragging out. I'm busted. Okay. But he wanted me to learn this lesson. So he sets me in front of the thing. And he goes behind the counter and he waves at me. He said, can you see me? He said, yes. How can you wave back? I wave back. He said, come on up. He said, put those M&M's back on the, on the counter. I put them there. He said, don't you ever come in the store again. Because you stole and if I did, what's your phone number? And I wrote down, he told me, I told him my phone number. We had party lines that you might call my house and ring another person's house. You don't want everybody to know you've heard to know you got busted stealing M&M's. This is a big deal. And uh, he said to me, uh, I'm gonna, next time you come in here, I'm going to call your mom. Oh, I didn't want that to happen. But you see, God catches us. We think that he's got this big mirror when he has the Holy Spirit. Remember the beginning of our talk. This omnipresence, this God who is omniscient, who knows everything. He knows it all. And when we ask us, forgive him, he removes the mirror as far as to catch us. And he gives us this mirror in front of us, Paul says, that we look in the mirror and we leave and we say we don't need to change anything. And the whole time he does. Truth is, God does not, is not shocked by my sin. He is not shocked by my sin. God is not shocked by my sin. Number three, because my response to truth is God's honest with, he's honest with God. And so he uh, gives us this challenge, excuse me, B, God now knows all my feelings and frustrations. Psalm 31, 7, you God have listened to my troubles. You have seen my crisis of my soul. When have you felt the crisis of the soul? He sees all my sin. When I was a, a assistant pastor at Revival Temple, Leah's dad was a pastor, Brother McMaster's. He was my uh, pastor, my boss. He was a guy I answered to. I was a part-time youth minister then. Leah was there long enough that she became part of the youth group. And uh, we were... I remember Brother Mac getting up and saying this. Sin will cost you more than you plan to pay, keep you longer than you plan to stay, and cost you more than you plan to pay. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That has never left my soul. At 25 years old, it embedded in my heart. Sin will do those things. When we talk about this God, the truth is, is that he knows all my trouble. And uh, Psalm 56, 8 says, he knows all my trouble. You have kept a record of my tears. He see me when the time I cried. How many of y'all have ever, sometimes, I cry ugly. I mean, when I cry, it's really pretty bad. I, I cry, this is, uh, I just cry more when, I'm standing in the rain. When, I, when it's raining outside, I'll go outside. And, when I, and it's, it's like God is sent it just in time for me to go out there and just cry. I might be walking my three miles in the rain, but I'm crying. 
You say, well, what's it to cry? I haven't cried in years. You need to. You need to. It's a cleansing of the soul. Truth is, God is a sympathetic to my what? Let me find it here on my notes. Oh, boy. He knows my whys. He knows my hurts. He is sympathetic to my whys. He knows my, excuse me, my hurts. He knows my whys. And this is his response. First Peter, he says this, casting all your care upon him, your anxiety, those things that hurt you, those things that hold you back, those things that seem to push you to the side. He said, casting all your care. Have you ever dealt with anxiety? I have caught myself anxious. There's a good book if you want to read it. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Stephen Cuss. C-U-S-S. Stephen Cuss. It's called Managing Leadership Anxiety. It is a tremendous book. At the end of each chapter, has some questions asked. Now, Stephen puts in his book, he says, you know when you have anxiety is your mind's always working, always spinning. I've been married for 41 years. Pam will tell you that my mind doesn't ever stop. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's horrible. But my mind doesn't stop. I'm always thinking about the next move. Do I know how to play chess? No. But I usually do pretty good at checkers. Is that what you're talking about? Your mind doesn't stop? No, that's not what it is for me. I'm thinking about the next move, the next thing, what takes place, how does this come about. I've gleaned a lot of wisdom doing that, but it just really costs you at night. You don't sleep that good. And then it is a tightening of the chest. It is a stomach that just can't seem to have peace. He says there's three people you need to deal with, and it's this. God has his responsibility. The other person or situation or circumstance has their responsibility and I have mine. Stop trying to do their responsibility. And just look out for what you need to do. Well, if Pam would just change this, if she would just say, mind, God, by the Holy Spirit, if you listen to him, will say, mind your own business. My granny would say, when we'd sit around the table, she'd say, son, mind your own plate. You know, I want to eat off his, I want to do this, I want to talk. No, no, mind your own place. Mind your own business. It's not as fun without aggravating Pam. <laughs> mind your own business. It is about these circumstances, situations, the pressure in the chest, all these things. My mind is running. Has that ever happened to you? What are these circumstances, the anxiety? Here's point C. God knows... All about, God knows all my future. He knew me before I was born. I was born in the mountains of West Virginia. My grandmother delivered me June the 13th, 1956. The uh, doctor couldn't make it there. He got there late. My mom drove from Cleveland a week before she was to have me because they only gave you two weeks vacation during the year. They didn't give you maternity leave back in those days. Uh, It was right after the Civil War. I mean, it was a long time ago. And uh, she would, she was, the doctor wasn't getting there, so my grandmother caught me 12 pounds, 24 inches long, natural birth. It's nothing that she bragged about, but I brag about it all the time. And so when we think about our future, he knew us before we were born. He knew the hospital you'd be born and the age you would be when you were born. Psalm 139.16 says, The days allotted to you 
had all been recorded in the book before any of them ever began. He is not limited to time. He sees past, present, and future all at once. He does not ask our permission to see it, nor does he ask our permission. It is about us learning that we surrender to him in his affirmation, that he made us with a divine purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, all of us love this verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan to give you hope and what? A future. It is about that. It's the fact that God sees my tomorrows today. How in the world does he pull that off? Don't question it. He is God. He knows exactly what he's doing. It is a spinning chest. My response is, ask for advice. It is his perspective. God lays it out a little at a time. I talked to somebody going through a painful time today. They called me on the phone. They were talking through it with Pam and I. And I said to him, I don't know how this sounds to you biblically, but I'm going to tell you that I heard an old thing years ago. Yard by yard, life is hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. Don't try to get ahead of God. Stay in the inches that God has given you. Do not try to predict what God is going to do in the midst for you. Or don't demand that he does this. Just declare that he is God. And every inch you take is what God wanted you to take. But keep in mind. You don't own that inch. He owns you. We were sharing at dinner tonight that God entrusts us. This is what takes place. When we let God get the glory, we get the good. What he wants to see with the good we get is this. How will we steward the good? Or do we keep going deeper and deeper and all this stuff? Or do we say, God, help me to steward what you have given me that is good. Now, if we want the glory... The good is very little. When he is God, he sees it all. Here's D. God knows all my fears. The stuff that gets me uptight, when we act like God is unaware of us. I get uptight, I get worried, I get anxious. I'm telling you the way it is. I catch myself worrying, my mind starts running, my mind starts running. It's just a thing that takes place. You say, well... You know, you need to just stop that. I hear the Lord saying that. Just stop. Just stop that. Let me let me do it. And it, it's like when I had a wedding and this girl comes up to me and says, Pastor Hal, could you could you ask God for it not to rain? We're having a wedding in May, Memorial Day weekend. Could you ask God not to rain? Here we are in the Midwest. And I said to her, you know what? I'll give you some advice. I've done these May, uh, May weddings before. Rent the, the fellowship hall and have it already at this uh, venue that she had. The whole place where you're having all the food, already have it set up in case there's one. Well, they're going to charge me more for that. I said, it's May, the day of the wedding, 1 o'clock. I'm standing in the rain. She's standing in the rain with her dress on and all that makeup on. She said, Pastor Hal, why is God mad at me? I said, why would God be mad at you? Well, I asked him for it not to rain. I said, let me tell you something. I didn't want to tell her. I told you so. We live in the Midwest. It rains in May in the Midwest. It rains. Well, I should have or I should have rented the hall over here. Whatever it is now, you're not going to change what you look like. You should see yourself. You got makeup all over your dress. Look at you. Let's just go ahead and do this right now. She's looking at me. She said, "Oh, I said, stop it. It's May." 
God's not going to change everything for you. Oh, why? I said, oh, well, we catch ourselves. And when it's all said and done, we're standing in the rain too. God, why didn't you let it happen the way I planned? Because your plan didn't have any trust in it. So it is this God. It is about this opening part of the eight-part thing about knowing God is that getting to know Him. Getting to know Him that God knows all my fears. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. So do not worry, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Trust Trust God. The truth, God is not, what is that? Where you got, Pam? Do you have it? He's totally aware. What's that, Pam? Point, C, point A. God is totally aware. God is totally aware. See, she was listening. I wasn't. The second one, B, God knows all my, Huh? Okay, I'm on, I'm on, oh man, I'm on the wrong page. I don't have the back page. Oh, there it is. Good. Man, oh man. Here it is. God knows all my pointy fears. The last one is, the last one is this. God knows all my faithfulness. You've been faithful. It is when we really, the truth is, that we understand that he, we understand the truth is everything has, will be rewarded. Everything should be, will be rewarded. Everything. I got two blanks there. It should be one. Everything. Huh? Oh, every good deed will be rewarded. Oh, man. Oh, see how bad I need her? Jesus. Put me up to take swings at it here. Okay. <laughs> My response to truth is do not be discouraged. When I was in Bible college, there would be different speakers that would come and speak. There was a guy by the name of Maxie Thomas came. I was about 20 years old. He was about 40. He seemed so much older than me. After he got done speaking, I went up to him and I said, Brother Maxie, I'm uh, 20 years old. I'm in my third year of Bible college. And what I'd like to ask you is, what is one thing you could help me for the rest of my life? He said this to me without hesitation. He looked at me. When you cannot trace where God has taken you, you've got to trust he knows where he's going. Amen. When we talk about this omniscience, when we talk about this God, that the truth is that every good deed will be rewarded, is that when we feel like we cannot trace what he's doing, we've got to trust his truth, that he knows exactly where he's taken us. Are you at a place where you have maybe lost a little trust in God? Or, God, I've been trusting you and nothing has happened. Matthew 10.42 uh, says, Whoever gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, surely I declare to you, he, will, he shall not lose his reward here's the life application what God knows about you he knows everything he knows everything about you I catch myself being anxious 
He knows everything about me. My response is, do not get discouraged. Why is that? He knows everything about me. He knows who hurt you. He knows the truth about the uh, conversation it was. He knows everything about you. And he will not turn a deaf ear. He knows. Uh, 7.20, I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to give Pam, uh, I'm going to ask you to, Oh uh, no! I'm going to go one, two, three, and Pam's going to tell you all the blanks you missed. I missed. Father, thank you. That what God knows about me, what do you really know about me, Lord? Is that he knows everything. He knows even better than the dish on the wall called this big mirror that was security back 50-some years ago. God, you know. You see my rising up, my going down. God, I pray for those who have come and they're hurting. Maybe just had some news today in the last week, they're hurting. God, that the Spirit of the Lord, by your grace, God, you would touch them. Thank you, God, that all things were together for the good. Thank you, God, that you are doing something that far surpasses what we can come up with. God, you know. You know all knows all in jesus name amen 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 Amen. let me run through these real quick pam yell them out heard it first one the scope of god's knowledge Knowledge. god knows all god knows all god knows all did everybody get all those okay good god god knows about a of two is God knows all my faults and failures, and he still loves me. Everybody get those? Truth, God is not shocked by my sin. See, I did pretty good there. God knows all my feelings and frustrations. Here it is. God is sympathetic to my hurts. Oh, I thought you were going to say my wife. Hurts. <laughs> Here's C. God knows all my future. future. Truth is, God sees my tomorrows today. Well, that's one to write in your Bible right there. Okay, has everybody got those? Here's the next one. Number uh, D. God knows all my fears. fears. Last uh, the last few. God uh, God knows all my faithfulness. faithfulness. The truth is, every Good deed will be rewarded. Whew. You got 17 minutes of fellowship. Oh, wait, seven minutes. God bless you. Thank you. We got eight, I got eight more lessons of those. Huh? <laughs> hey, Sunday morning, I'll be sharing. And, uh, I'll be sharing. Whoop, who did that? Sunday morning, I'll be sharing. It'll be good to see you. I'll be praying for you this week. I'll hang around here for a little bit, Pam and I, if you need prayer for anything. God bless you, and please fellowship with each other. It's been a good, good evening.